It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome into another Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Jonathan Mayo is in Arizona visiting the spring training team and also Team Israel, which is where he is right now, I believe, uh, checking out some batting practice. On the podcast today, we're going to talk about the top 10 systems, except we're not going to actually talk about this year's top 10 systems because those rankings aren't out yet. But we are going to talk about the teams that were in the top 10 a year ago that have dropped out and where they stand, and also a couple of clubs that aren't yet in the top 10 but look headed in that direction and maybe there uh, by next year. So we'll get into both of those, but I want to start with an interview that Jonathan did out in Arizona with Taylor Trammell, Reds outfielder, just 19 years old. Jonathan caught up with him down at spring training, so let's start with that interview. You've been out here for, for a while already. Mm-hmm. Spring training hasn't even really started for you. Tell me a little bit about the, uh, the program the Reds had you come in early and what, you know, what you've been doing. Yeah, they, came, they uh, invited me to strength camp and... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to get uh, get out here early. You know, get to uh, be with a lot of the a lot of the other guys out here. Uh, I mean, we're working hard, and it's it's fun. You know, we are we're here just having you know the time of our lives. You know, we're playing baseball for our job, and it's fun. You know, and so uh, it's um, it's a great way you know to build a um, uh, build our team up together, and I think that's what you know. Mr. Grappi, Jeff Grappi, and uh, Mike, uh, Dick Williams, you know, they're, they're, that's what they're trying to do, and it's, um, it's wonderful. I'm having a time of my life right now, and it's, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to pay off. I would imagine at a certain point in time, you start chomping at the bit, you know, wanting to actually play, you know, games, <laughs> and you have something. Yeah. Uh, have you gotten to that point yet? Even understanding how important what you're doing, but, you know, when you're, Repeating, repeating, repeating the same thing. I would imagine mm-hmm. it's got a point you want to go out and feel that. Even just getting out and hitting, I'm sure, is, is good. Yeah, it's fun. And, um, you know, I've always played two sports my whole life. Right. And so it was, um, it's kind of like I'm kind of getting out there at that point. Because I didn't, I did, the only thing I did this fall was just get ready for the season. And so, you know, I'm just anxious at the bit to, you know, just get out here and start playing the game. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do my do my thing and I know it's going to be a long season so you know I'm I'm trying not to you know go 110 percent you know every single time I'm trying to learn pick the minds of you know some of the big league guys you know how to go about my first season you know how to you know how to take on the season and uh you know it's I'm, I'm really anxious to get out there though I just want to get out there and face some pitchers and you know get out there and shag and like get some fly balls or you know, steal some bases, so I'm, I'm really excited for it. You know, it's interesting you said you're picking the brains of big leaders because that's, you know, to go from high school, mm-hmm. especially a guy you said you're splitting your time so you weren't even full board baseball, to, to 140 games, mm-hmm. that's a huge leap. It is. It is. It's a huge leap, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm really confident in the work I put in this offseason. 
Um, you know, I, I really am very confident about it. You know, I woke up, you know, every pretty much every day at uh, 6.30, worked out around 6.45, and, you know, got my work in, hit every pretty much every day. And, you know, I got I got myself ready for the season. I'm, I'm excited for it. When uh, your season ended in instruction and you went home and it's fall, I mean, did you – did you have that like that that football itch at all, or you think you, you, you got that out of your system once you you realized that you were focusing here? I got I got it out of my system. Of course, you know, um, I had fun with football, but at the same time, you know, this is my job now. I'm really focused on this. This is the game that I actually love. I, I, lo I really enjoy watching football, but at the same time, you know, I I don't see myself out there pretty much anytime soon. But I'm just really excited, you know. When they told me I was coming to strength camp, I was ecstatic. I was really happy about it. Your body's probably happy you're done with football, too, I would imagine. <laughs> it is. It is. And, um, yeah, it is. I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this season and, you know, getting out here. Tell me a little bit about your, your pro debut. Um, I'm sure you didn't know exactly what to expect. You went out and, and you know, you actually performed really well. Were you, were you – obviously, you always probably hope to do well. You compete. But were you pleasantly surprised looking back how that first summer went? First summer was fun. Um, you know, I, with me, you know, I set, I set high standards for myself. I set probably what most people say impossible standards. And, you know, I, I like to reach for those goals. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you never know, you might surprise yourself. And so that's what I really looked at. And I was really, I was really proud of myself because um, going into the last, um, I, I had a, yeah, going into last, um, the summer previous, before that, before the draft, you know, I, I thought I was going to go to college. And, you know, going in and working my tail off uh, my uh, high school season and then getting to the draft and then getting picked up by the Reds, you know, it was um, – I was so thankful and so humbled because, um, you know, I worked so hard at it. And, you know, I know that it's not over yet, but that first season was – just something that I was just like, it, I can build off it for the rest of my career. And, you know, next, this year, you know, I, I plan on having a better better year than last summer. And so, you know, that's something that, you know, I really am looking forward to for the summer. And that's why I'm so anxious to get it back out there. Now, I know your parents are engineers. Did I read that correctly? No. no that's wrong. <laughs> my brother is. Your brother he's, is. He's, uh, he's at Mercer University right now. Okay. He's getting his engineering degree. Okay. And what do your parents do? My mom, is, she works at my school right now. Okay. Um, and then my dad, he works at the post office. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I could have sworn I read somewhere that some, someone was yeah. one of those things that got put out there. Yeah, and... I think someone someone came up to me the other, other week, and they were like, you tell your parents, and he's like, my parents aren't engineers. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, they're, well, they're working out. All right, well. The question is actually the same. It's just that it's clear that they value education. They do. Um, and you're saying that you thought you, you were going to go on to, to college. Mm -hmm. how, how difficult of a decision was that to put that aside and decide to sort of quote unquote enter the working world? Uh, I took in a lot of a lot of things to consideration. I had a number value in mind um, with my agent and my family, and you know I told them you know if. If I don't get this amount or anything, you know, I'll just go to college, and I was, I was happy about whichever decision I would have made. Um, but you know, that was uh, something that we talked about as a family. My parents, they were all for the decision for me going to pro ball once the day came. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm gonna get my education also. I value that. Um, I feel like that could, you know, 
take me a little bit further. Um, and I, you know, I just really, I value it. You know, I plan on going back, you know, sometime in the near future and uh, getting my education. What were you going to study? Do you know? Um, really not sure. I was going to study most likely business, um, probably going to business management, maybe economics. Not really sure right now. <laughs> you didn't have to decide. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, my in high school it was engineering, but then uh, actually it was, it was law. And then I took mock trial, and I saw that wasn't me. And so <laughs> that was um, that was just a little funny story that I took in a uh, class that I took in high school. And I saw, I was like, ah, I don't need to take this class right now. It's not for me right now. That's always good to be able to figure that out. Yes. Uh, last thing I want to ask you, uh, that, that actually somebody behind the cage was talking about, you know, if you and Tyler had gone on to school, you would have been at Georgia Tech together. Yes. Yeah, so. that, that would have been one pretty good college team. I mean, do you guys, do you guys, have you guys, you know, talked about that at all yeah we talk about it we talk about it a good bit you know people ask you know um are you close to tyler and everything yeah me and kyle are pretty close tyler and pretty close and um you know we always talk about you know um you know what if we went to georgia tech um we always talk about how our like draft path paths are, are kind of the same because we my high school is about a mile away from his high school okay. and so it's kind of funny because you know we both got um, drafting the first round by the Reds, and it was just really funny. You know, we talk about that all the time. It's just, you know, really funny. I guess the Reds really like their uh, area scout in Georgia. <laughs> yes, uh, he's he's awesome. John Poloni, he's an awesome guy. Um, he texts me uh, regularly. He's he's awesome. Uh, one of the nicest human beings, you know, genuine people that you'll ever meet. Good stuff there from Taylor Trammell. Jonathan, anything stand out to you from that interview? Just listening to him, he uh, carries himself not like your typical teenager. Uh, just, I uh, was very impressed with his poise, uh, thoughtful answers. Uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get from a, a high school age uh, kid uh, in terms of how he's going to talk, but he's very at ease with himself. Smart kid. I mean, and immensely talented. And uh, one of the things I think that was most interesting was him talking about how he was a two-sport guy. And I talked to him a bunch of this after the interview, in fact, that he was always baseball first. And people just assumed that he would be a little more raw as two-sport guys tend to be. But when he was on the football field, he was always thinking about what he did on the football field and how it would help him playing baseball, which is kind of the opposite of what I think we – assume from two sport guys so that was a pretty good takeaway uh jim the reds are a team that's obviously rebuilding and has some good talent in that system how key a member of that organization and and their rebuild is tremel uh, i think he he's he's one of the key uh components i mean obviously you're not hanging too much on on any one prospect but i think his ceiling is as high as just about anybody in that organization to be honest uh you know, I mean, he's got he's going to need some time to develop. But, I mean, you're talking about, you know, it seems like a lot of these guys, and Jonathan alluded to this, you know, him not being as raw as people think, a lot of these two-sport guys or a lot of your speed guys, uh, you know, are guys who can run and not necessarily do a whole lot else. And I think Trammell has a chance to be a lot more than that. Uh, you know, he can hit, you know, he can run. We know that. He's going to steal bases. But he can hit for average. I think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be a big time power hitter, but I don't think he's gonna be a little slappy guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he developed double digit home run power. He can go get the ball in center field, so I think he can, you know, be a, an all around contributor and might have about the highest ceiling of, of any position player in that system, maybe with the exception of uh, Nick Senzel.
We'll get into uh, maybe some other players that Jonathan has gotten a chance to talk to. I was down in Florida and talked to some prospects as well. We'll get that to that later in the podcast. But I wanted to move on to systems, uh, good organizations that aren't quite there as far as being rated in, in Pipeline's top ten, but teams that you guys think could get there a year from now. And, Jonathan, I'll start with you. You you think the Cardinals are headed back in the right direction. It's obviously a place that they're pretty comfortable having a deep organization. Right. And, you know, I know it seems strange to sort of pick them, uh, given the fact that their number one prospect just went down with Tommy John surgery. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I think Jim will probably agree with this, you know, when you are the one who does the team's top 30, and I do the Cardinals' top 30, you don't even quite realize how much you like a system until you start getting through it. And if you're writing up guys 21 to 30 and, and you're, you're enjoying those guys, and not because they have a good story or background, but because, wow, this guy, this guy actually is talented. Boy, this guy's got potential. And that's what I felt with the Cardinals. Now, they're all far away. I mean, there's certain risk involved with most of the prospects, but they were really, really active on the international market last uh, July. They spent over $10 million, um, which will help, I think, uh, stem the tide or, or however you want to put it to uh, the fact that in this coming draft, they, they won't pick for a while. So, uh, you know, they've got all this really young talent. I think if you don't even need all of them to step up, but I think that if just a handful of them take the next step, and these are guys that they just signed who haven't started yet. It also includes, you know, uh, guys like Edmundo Sosa, Magnaris Sierra, uh, pitchers like Sandy Alcantara, uh, and Junior Fernandez. They all have pretty high ceilings. If they all take a step forward in 2017, I'd be shocked if they're not a top 10 system next year. So the Cardinals are a team that obviously rarely drafts highly and always manages to have good young talent coming up through the system. The Astros, Jim, are a team and an organization that for a long time or for a good stretch of years was drafting very highly and really loaded up their system and became a, a great deep organization. Now a lot of those guys have graduated to the big leagues and they've dropped out of the top ten. So now they're learning to do it the other way, I guess, to a degree, right? They, they haven't had those high, high picks the last couple of years, but there's still a system that's building back up again. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm saying that the, them jumping to top ten is any great uh, a shocking statement because they actually came in 11th in our farm system rankings. So they were, they were very close to being in the top ten uh, right now. But, but you're right, Tim. I mean, you know, if you look at the number of guys they've promoted to the big leagues, I mean, they, they promoted, I mean, a ton of guys. But just I mean, you want to start with Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers Jr., all of whom, you know, have, have you know big time talent, you know, as well as a bunch of complementary players as well. They still have a very deep system. They're going to have a bunch of extra picks this year as well uh, from the, the Cardinals hacking scandal. They pick up a pair of second round picks, lost some extra picks at the top of the draft. But it, it's still, a, to me, a very deep system and. What I like about it is they've kind of acquired the talent in a bunch of different ways. I mean, they continue to draft well, even if they're not picking at the top of the draft. I mean, they've used first-round and supplemental first-round picks on guys like Kyle Tucker and Derek Fisher, who are two of their best position players. But they've also drafted guys like Garrett Stubbs, catcher in the eighth round, Ramon Lariano, an outfielder in the 16th round. So, you know, they don't have to rely on those picks. You know, when you're picking a Carlos Correa at number one or Alex Bregman at number two to find some draft guys, uh, they've really gone all in internationally. 
their best prospect. I, I think we'll see him on the top 100 prospects list uh, after a few graduations, so it will be pretty early in the year. He's a Venezuelan right-hander named Franklin Perez, and they also last year spent a club record, almost $9 million on international signees. Got a, a bunch of really interesting Cubans, uh, Freudus Nova and Anibal Sierra, a couple shortstops, left-hander CNL Perez. And, and I think the thing they may do better than anybody else is is not just trading for prospects, but trading for prospects who who really haven't popped yet. I mean, their their two best pitching prospects are Francis Martez and David Paulino. Those guys were in rookie ball. Paulino was headed toward Tommy John surgery when they traded for those guys. They came out a, a lot better than people realized. They have a first baseman they got from the Dodgers before he even played in a professional game last summer. Jordan Alvarez was a guy who the Dodgers had signed in June, and then they traded him in July to get Josh Fields. Alvarez might emerge as one of the best bats in the Astros system this year. And they also got Jonathan Araz in the – the, I don't know if we're supposed to call it the Ken Giles trade or the Vince Velasquez trade or the, the Mark Appel trade with the Phillies, but they got a, a pretty slick uh, infielder named Jonathan Arraz in that deal, too. So I think their pro scouting department does a really nice job and, and finds guys. You know, Joe Musgrove, who doesn't count as a prospect anymore, he's one of those guys who was promoted to the big leagues the last couple of years. He was in rookie ball, too, when they traded for him. I, I just I can't remember ever seeing a club you know, scour the rookie leagues as efficiently as the Astros do and, and then get these guys in trades. All right, well, we're going to move on to the highest teams from a year ago that are no longer in the top ten this year. But before we get into that, we want to take a moment to tell you about the Fantasy 411 podcast here on MLB.com. Hot or not, pitch or ditch, deal or dump, the Fantasy 411 crew has the answer. Whether you play daily fantasy, rotisserie, head-to-head, big, specific, or mixed, keeper or non-keeper, the MLB Fantasy crew has been there, won that, and they'll help you win, too. And with draft days quickly approaching, they'll get you ready to select a winning roster. If that sounds like something you'd be into, search Fantasy 411. That's Fantasy Space and the numbers 411 in iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast and click subscribe. All right, guys, moving on to teams from a year ago that are no longer in the top ten. And, uh, Jonathan, back to you. The twin system has fallen out of the top ten. What's the biggest reason for that? Is it just graduation? Yeah, just graduation, um, yep. you know, which which is a good thing. Uh, first and foremost, Byron Buxton, the annual number one prospect for the last 27 years, uh, or so it seemed anyway, he finally did graduate. And not only you know did he graduate after scuffling some, but – the end of last year, it looked like he was starting to sort some things out. So I'm very excited to to see him in action for a full season, hopefully a healthy season, which has been his biggest problem. But uh, you know, they also graduated Jose Barrios and Max Kepler, um, and those were you know three of their top prospects. All were top 100 guys. Uh, so that that was a a big reason why they they dropped down. Now there's still uh, some talent uh, in that system. They added Alex Kirilov from the draft. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, and it's not just because he's a Pittsburgh kid. Uh, he can really, really hit. And they've gotten some uh, some pitchers back from injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, Fernando Romero is a guy who I think is going to end up in the top 100 uh, at some point this year. Uh, so I, there's a chance that they could climb back into the top 10, but even if they, they don't, it's still a solid system, not quite as deep as it used to be, but really the, the, big, the big reason is that those big three who graduated to the big leagues last year. And then, Jim, uh, the, twins, the Twins were number five a year ago. They're now out of the top ten. Jim, the Rangers were number three a year ago, and they've also fallen out. Why have they drifted a little bit? I think for the same reason Jonathan just alluded to, 
uh, with the Twins. And, I mean, I, I like to think Jonathan and I are, are good at our jobs, and, and I don't think too often we see systems we rank high just fall off the map because we were wrong about all their players. I, I, <laughs> at least I hope not. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I went back and looked at my Rangers top 30 list from two years ago, and the first 13 players on that list are all gone. You've either you've seen them graduate to the big leagues, guys like Joey Gallo, Nomar Mazzara, Chichi Gonzalez, Ryan Rua. They've traded a bunch of these guys, Jorge Alfaro, Lewis Brinson, Nick Williams, Luke Jackson, Luis Ortiz, Ryan Cordell, Travis Demerit, or both. Jake Thompson, Anthony Renato were traded and graduated. And that doesn't even include, because he wasn't in the organization at the time, but they had the number four overall pick in the 2015 draft, Dylan Tate, and they traded him last summer too. So it's just a matter of turnover with Texas. And, uh, you know, we've only been ranking farm systems at MLB Pipeline for the last two years. Um, at Baseball America, we'd done it for probably going back 30 years when I was there. And I would say this is probably the first time in about a decade that the Rangers wouldn't qualify or wouldn't rank in the top ten farm systems in baseball, uh, which is just a tribute to how they've continued to churn out prospects year after year after year. Now, when I think of the Rangers, there's two things that always jump to mind with their farm system. One is that they have about as strong international presence as anyone. And, and you can't necessarily do that on an annual basis anymore with bonus restrictions because if you spend big one year, you have to wait out a couple of years, and the rules have changed again this year. But you look at their top 30 now, the current top 30, and the top four prospects uh, all are product international signings. And they have 16 international signees on the top 30, which is probably right up there with just about any team in baseball. But, you know, top four guys are Leody Tavares, the outfielder from the Dominican, a Venezuelan lefty, Johander Mendez, Panamanian right-hander Ariel Gerardo, and Dominican first baseman Ronald Guzman. And then the other thing that jumps out to me with them is that the Rangers, I think, and I like this, I think it's a good strategy. They're not afraid. You know, you some teams that don't necessarily want to go high-risk, high-reward, they'll do it in moderation. The Rangers are all in on a high-risk, high-reward strategy, and I just think they look at it like, one, they believe in their ability to develop players and polish them up, and, you know, they could turn that high risk into the high reward. And, two, that if you do hit on those guys and they pay off, the payoffs are huge because of the ceilings on these guys. And I think two examples of that in the system are Alex Spees, who – you know, needs to harness his, his stuff, but, you know, has nasty fastball, curveball combination, very athletic. And then outfielder Jairo Barris, who is up and down and, and seems like gets off to slow starts and picks up in the second half. But Jairo Barris, you know, might have about as good a combination of, you know, raw power and arm strength of just about any player in the minor leagues. I mean, it's probably 70 raw power and it's 70, maybe it's an 80 arm. So, uh, you know, the Rangers are kind of up to what they've always been doing. You know, they they just – I think the last couple of years have been more aggressive trade-wise than they had been in the past and made a bunch of deals and given up some prospects. But I think they're still doing good work. It's just they, they, a lot of the guys have left the system over the last year or two. Yeah, it's hard to stay. I mean, eventually you got to dip a little bit as an organization for one reason or another. Um, you mentioned being in 10 years in the top 10 is really amazing because guys are gonna are going to graduate to the big leagues. You're going to have to trade guys at some point to, to get – major league players and a pennant race and all kinds of different reasons. So, uh, but great stuff. And the Rangers and twins, both systems that, you know, they're, they've dropped out now, but we'll see where they go from here. All right. So Jonathan, you're down in Arizona and I know Taylor Trammell is not the only guy you've gotten a chance to talk to. So anybody else stand out um, as uh, all interview team guys in spring training, as far as prospects go? 
Yeah, normally when it comes to spring training, I like to talk about like, well, this guy did this, or I saw him do this, but uh, they, they they barely just started playing baseball. Uh, I actually saw live baseball today for the first time in a long time, so that was fun. Um, Who's looked good stretching, you know, Jonathan? Is there really somebody who's looked good stretching? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, some some very good calisthenics. I did see Carson Fulmer throw a very good bullpen in live BP, um, uh, and I talked to him. Uh, he was very good. My first day down here was White Sox camp, so it was like coming straight to the candy store um, just because there were so many guys. You know, every camp's got interesting guys to, to talk to. I, you know, Dan Altavilla is going to probably be the setup man for the Mariners. Does 100 miles an hour. Uh, also a Pittsburgh guy who, who went to Mercyhurst College in Erie. Uh, so, you know, he's not uh, a top 100 guy or a big name or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he was good to talk to. Riley Pint I got a chance to talk to. Uh, top pick from last year. High school kid who throws 100. Um, thoughtful guy. He's really working on going from – thrower to pitcher and he learned during his pro debut in the summer that uh you can't just crank it up to 100 uh at the professional level uh, you're going to get hit so uh he's working on his craft and uh it's it's been fun you know bouncing around and and uh, sometimes meeting these guys that uh that you only knew by their stat line or or from video and getting a chance to talk to them very cool. And I had a shorter than usual trip to Florida uh last week but I did hit four teams in four days which means lots of mileage uh, in Florida, unlike you out in Arizona, Jonathan. But I did uh, Orioles, Rays, Red Sox, Yankees. Um, talked to Chance Cisco. We love that name, and he's getting closer and closer. Uh, asked him about working on his defense, and he said that's really been his main thing since he got the pro ball is the defense, defense, defense. And now he's really focusing in on his throwing, and that's the biggest thing. And he said it's been neat that he got to learn from Matt Weeders, um, and now he's getting to learn from – Wellington Castillo, because obviously the Orioles losing leaders bringing Castillo. So it's two different kind of like catchers to, to pick their brains. So he certainly took something from that. And then, guys, Clint Frazier with the Yankees. I never thought I'd say this, but interviewing Clint Frazier, and he was, he was very modest about the end of his 2016 season and after the trade to the Yankees and the fact that, as he said it, I didn't play good baseball for the first time in my life, basically, is what he said. In 25 games, he was about... He hit 228. He struck out a lot. But he said he really did feel a lot of pressure going to the Yankees in that trade. But he seemed excited to be part of such a talented organization now with so many young players and, and ready to get back on it. Were you guys at all surprised? Either of you can jump in. Maybe, Jim, give this a shot. That Frazier's numbers did dip a little bit after he went over to the Yankees? No, I mean, not terribly, just because – it's such a small sample size, and, and there's some upheaval there. He, he was young for the level, so not really. I mean, I know talking to the Yankees, you know, they kind of echoed what you said, that they thought when I was doing an instructional link story um, and, and talking to them about some of their, their outfield talent, that they thought he, he pressed too much, you know, that they thought that was part of it. But, I mean, at the time of the trade, he was 21 years old, and he played five games in AAA. So I'm not really that surprised that he struggled. Um, you know, they, you know, he, 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 it wasn't like he struck out, you know, excessively. I mean, the strikeout rate was kind of consistent with what he had done, uh, you know, previously. You know, even in Double A, you know, he, he just didn't, you know, hits didn't drop in. I mean, he, he did have eight extra base hits in 25 games, but um, you know, they, I just think it, it was too much to read much into. So, so surprise, not really. I mean, that type of stuff happens. He still had the long hair going, uh, and he was ready to get to work with the Yankees for sure. And that's such a young. Uh, talented organization right now that is in obviously the top 10 and near the top of that top 10. 
right, one last thing to touch on, Jonathan. You mentioned off the top, you're, you're with Team Israel right now before they head to Korea to open up the World Baseball Classic, and they'll actually open up the tournament against Korea in Seoul, and they're the, they're the very first game uh, Monday, March 6th, 4.30 in the morning Eastern time. So uh, get ready to get up early for some of these World Baseball Classic games. But who's on that team right now? Who's working out with the, with the uh, Israeli team? Well, it's kind of a mix. I mean, they have a little mini camp going on, and uh, obviously there's players who are in big league camps that aren't here. You know, like Ike Davis, who signed with the Dodgers, is not here. Um, you know, Ryan LaVarnway was here, but not for for that long. Uh, but Cody Decker is here. Sam Fold is here. Uh, you know, Jason Marquis, who has been making some noise about maybe attempting a, a comeback. And my theory there is that he started to get himself prepared for this World Baseball Classic and realized how good he felt and decided he wanted to kind of keep going. Uh, and then, you know, the, the rest of the roster is filled with minor leaguers. I mean, Nate Fryman, former Rule 5 pick, is here. Um, just cherry picking the, the guys with big league time uh, who, who are here. But uh, uh, it should be a, a competitive team. Um, you know, it, it – Korea and the Netherlands have some good teams, but uh, I think that this this roster should have a chance to advance at least to Japan to, to the next round uh, if they play good baseball. Uh, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. It's just sort of, uh, you know, as we talked about when I on my trip to Israel and in this in general, it's, uh, it's been fun to have uh, these two worlds of mine colliding into one thing. Yeah, very cool. And the World Baseball Classic, hey, it's, you know, spring training games kind of, they're great when they first get started and everybody loves seeing live baseball. But then you get to that point where you're kind of like, all right, I'd like to see real live baseball. And the World Baseball Classic will be that for to a, to a degree uh, throughout the month of March. So it gives people a chance to um, see their nations play. And, and it, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And people, you know, land on different sides of it, how much they like the World Baseball Classic. I like it because it, it breaks things up in March every four years and gives you kind of something else to look at. So uh, it'll certainly be interesting, and it gets started, as I said, March 6th with Israel playing the very first game, 4.30 a.m. in Seoul against the Korean team. All right, that'll do it for another Pipeline podcast. Great stuff, guys. Uh, and I think next time we talk, Jim, are you going to be on the road as well? I will be. I'm, I'm heading to Arizona on Sunday, um, and uh, I, I, will, I will be able to tell some camp stories. I, I was really disappointed. I thought you were going to team me up there to talk about uh, how in the 11th inning of World Baseball Classic games we're going to start the inning with runners on first oh, and second boy. base, but uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll just let that go for now. You know what? If it happens, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But until then, I'm, I'm going to leave that one up. So that's going to do it for us. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.